0: Good morning, church family. Today's reading is from Genesis four, chapter 41, verses 15 to 32. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream you can interpret it. I cannot do it Joseph replied to Pharaoh but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires then Pharaoh said to Joseph in my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows fat and sleek and they grazed among the reeds after them seven other cows came up scrawny and very ugly and lean I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming through throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon.
1: Thank you, Annette. Let's pray and we'll, we'll have a closer look at this passage. Heavenly Father... We come before you uh, to acknowledge that we cannot uh, understand anything of your word unless you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand, Lord. And we pray that now. We pray that as we consider uh, what's happening here between Joseph and Pharaoh, uh, Lord, I pray that you will give us those ears to hear and help our hearts be moved and challenged and also encouraged uh, by your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a song that we sing here every now and again. It's called Blessed Be Your Name. Um, I'm sure you know it. Uh, It was penned in 2001 uh, by Matt uh, Redman and his wife. And it was partly uh, penned in response to the 9-11 tragedies. Um, When they were in California, they were worshipping in churches not long after Uh, The tragedies and they realised that there's very few modern songs that really expressed pain and lament. Everything was just all happy and joy and so they they wrote blessed be your name as a type of lament although it doesn't really focus on lament but it takes uh, the singer through a journey uh, and it begins with uh, blessing God's name in both abundance and and in the wilderness uh, and in stanzas three and four then echo this uh, by blessing God in good times and bad and then in all seasons of life uh, the hymn calls us really to bless the name of God so it gives us an opportunity to express blessing him uh, in both good times and bad but there's a refrain or the bridge of the song Uh, it reinforces this, and it's always striking, I think, uh, when you sing it, and it goes, you give and take away, you give and take away, but my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Are you able to bless the Lord, to praise his name in every season of your life, whether feast, whether famine, whether sickness, whether health, whether joy or suffering, are you able to, from your heart, bless the name of the Lord? Can you sincerely say to the Lord, you give and you take away, you give and you take away, but my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed is your name. Well, the passage before us this morning really gives us a reason to confidently in every season of our life to bless the name of the Lord. Now we're moving through Genesis at a rapid pace uh, because we have to finish by the end of November. But last week we were in chapter 37 and we came to the beginning of the end if you remember and the focus moved to Jacob or Israel's family now and his line and the focus is in many respects on Joseph for most of this last part of Genesis. Joseph, uh, Jacob's second youngest child, if you remember, had dreams uh, which said that one day his whole family would bow down to him. Well, his brothers took offence because they perceived him as arrogant, sold him to the Ishmaelite traders, the traders took him down to Egypt sold him to Potiphar, the captain of the pharaoh's guard, uh, and he became a servant in Potiphar's house. He became quite important. He was blessed by God in every way. But in chapter uh, 39, verses uh, 2 to 4, it says this, "'The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, "'and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master.'" When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. See, the Lord was with Joseph. uh, Even when he was suffering as a slave... Uh, and he, he empowered him in order to be raised up in the household. But then Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife comes along, and she took a liking to, uh, what is it? Joseph was well-built and handsome. It's an important, important part of scripture. Just insert your own name at, as you, at your leisure. Michael was well-built and handsome, said Jean. Anyway, but Potiphar took a liking and so she tried to entice him, I'm sorry, <laughs> she tried to entice him, in, this isn't funny, she tried to entice him into bed. Uh, he, he, in righteousness, rejected her advances but she framed him, uh, claimed that he tried to take advantage of her and what does Potiphar do? Well, he believes his wife, of course, and throws him into prison. And so, once again, from blessing, he ends up in prison. In verse thirty-nine, uh, chapter 39, verse 20, however, uh, we're told this. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. See, it then says the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And while in prison, Joseph interprets a dream from the or two dreams, one from the cupbearer, one from the baker. The cupbearer would be restored to his position after being thrown uh, in prison, but the baker would be impaled uh, after uh, after being imprisoned. And these interpretations came through. Uh, and, and came true. And Joseph says to the cupbearer to remember him when things go well and he gets out of prison. Uh, but then we're told at the very end of chapter 40, uh, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. See, Joseph is riding the seasons of life. Now, this isn't all happening in days, this is happening over time. Slavery, prison, and now, despite the Lord giving him the interpretations of the dreams and blessing him, he is now forgotten in prison. He's left to languish in prison. It's a dark season. And then we are told at the beginning of chapter 41 when two full years had passed, two full years. A foreigner in a foreign land having been thrown into prison, forgotten. His family haven't gone seeking him because his father thinks he's dead. Two years in prison alone. Now on Thursdays, as you know, I go to Parkley Prison. This Thursday uh, we had the group there and, um, and one of the fellas has just been sentenced to five and a half months. Uh, He's been reclassified as minimum security. He'll be sent down to Naur at some point. He doesn't know when that'll happen. They'll just wake him up at 5 a.m. one morning and say, all right, grab your stuff, you're going. But he was quite agitated because he was saying five and a half months. It just gets so repetitive and so, this isn't, like it's not somewhere that's a great place to be. You don't get freedoms, you get certain freedoms. The big thing when we go in there, they get their buy-ups just as we go in. So every week, the highlight, I think, is when they get their buy-ups, which means they might get um, packets of chips or whatever it is. Joseph's been languishing for two years now. After having been elevated, he's, uh, he's interpreted, God's blessed him, but now he's forgotten He has hoped that this cupbearer would be the path out. I'm certain uh, Joseph was wondering whether he would ever be able to get out of the prison. But over and over again, and I'm hoping you're picking this up, we are told in the narrative throughout all these chapters, the Lord was with him. So even in the darkest of seasons, even in the loneliest of times, even at every turn where you seem to be met with difficulty, with suffering, the Lord is with you. And after two years, suddenly Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, no coincidence at all, I can guarantee it, the king of Egypt who was considered a god has two dreams. And they were the, dr- and the dreams that you cannot get out of your head, the ones where you wake up and you go, this is bothering me. In fact, in f- chapter 41, verse 8, we are told this. In the morning, uh, Pharaoh's mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but not one of them could interpret them for him. Then in verse 9, the cupbearer, after two years, goes, oh, hang on a minute. I know a fellow who's in prison who interpreted my dreams. I think it's interesting he said, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. He was so involved in his own uh, reimportance that he had completely just written off, uh, written off Joseph despite what the Lord uh, had done for him. But Pharaoh Uh, is now told of Joseph and he's reminded uh, that there is a man. Uh, The fact we are told, uh, so he fetches Joseph and then we're told that Joseph had to shave and get changed. I think that gives us an insight into some of the conditions that he was living under. Uh, But it has to be understandable at this point uh, that you have to imagine Joseph after two years being sent for by Pharaoh. Is he just going to get rid of me now? What is this about? And you'd also be, uh, you'd also be. I think it seems reasonable if Joseph's pretty bitter and upset with God. Have you forgotten me? I thought you were with me. Two years in a dungeon. We're suddenly told, a dungeon. So Joseph uh, is sent for, and uh, and Pharaoh says to him. Uh, he says, "I had a dream. No one can interpret it." This is uh, verse 15. But I have heard it said of you that you can hear. A, you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, after uh, two years languishing in the prison, God, uh, Joseph does not give up on God. He says, "I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires." See, Joseph's life is going over and over and over, the ups and downs, and effectively he is saying to Pharaoh right now, the Lord gives and takes away, the Lord gives and takes away, but I'm not going to claim anything for myself. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. No, all glory to God. See, Joseph has surrendered himself to God. If it's the Lord's will, he will give him the interpretation well then Pharaoh tells him his dreams, uh, the first dream, standing on the bank of the Nile when seven fat cows come up out and, uh, and they start grazing and then we hear the seven scrawny cows come up uh, and start uh, eating the, uh, the, the fat cows, these are lean, ugly, uh, very, sorry, scrawny and very ugly lean cows. They eat up the fat cows, but nothing changes. They still look scrawny and ugly and lean. And in the second dream, seven full heads of grain growing on a single stalk of wheat or whatever it might be. Uh, and then seven others sprouted. They're withered and thin and ugly as well. They eat up the first seven uh, and, swallowed, and swallow up the seven good heads of grain. And then in Joseph, in verse 25, interprets the dreams. They have the same meaning. Uh, And they have come twice so that uh, it's reinforcing that God's will has been determined. There will be seven years of abundance, then seven years of famine. Uh, The abundance will be completely forgotten because the famine will be so severe, people would have forgotten all about the blessing of the seven years. Feast famine. But notice in verse 25, Joseph makes sure Pharaoh has understood it is God who has spoken uh, to Pharaoh. He says then, well, we're told then Joseph said to him, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then in verse 32, Joseph reinforces that it isn't just God who has Uh, warned these 14 years will take place, but it's God who who actually makes them happen. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. See, feast, famine, good times, bad times, joy, suffering, whether you like it or not, they are all under the sovereign rule of God. God is the one who is in control of all things. He gives and He takes away. Will your heart choose to say, Blessed be His name? But not only does Joseph interpret the dreams, we're now shown a level of wisdom in Joseph that goes beyond just dream interpretation. He then gives some advice to Pharaoh. Verse 33, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Now at this point, Joseph's thinking he's going back to prison. He's come up and he's, he's interpreted, he's going, Pharaoh, you're going to have to find someone to, to navigate this. And without him realising, he's given, he's basically, this is a job application Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming, store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven uh, years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. It's like, wow, this guy doesn't come with interpretation. He comes with a plan. How good's this? Well, then we're told this. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. He's this, this non-Egyptian out of prison standing before Pharaoh and now everyone is wowed by his wisdom. And Pharaoh asks his officials, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? See, this is the whole point of all these chapters. Finally, the recognition by the the, the Gentile uh, nations that in this Hebrew, in God's person, the chosen, almost youngest brother of Israel, is the Spirit of God. Because Joseph has not denied God. Joseph has not taken it for himself, any glory. He's saying, no, the, God, the Lord, he is the one who enables me to interpret. It is God who has given me all this ability. So don't praise me, praise him. And now Pharaoh has come to the point of saying, the spirit of God is within this man. And then he says, since God has made all this known to you, it would have been easy for Joseph at this point to have had all glory for himself, but he has ensured that the world knows who has the authority, who has the capacity, who has the power. It is God, not me, not you, but God, to do his will through us. And so Pharaoh puts him in charge of his entire palace. All of my people are to submit to your orders. So effectively, all of Egypt is to submit to the spirit of God that is within you, he is saying. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. In God's providence and grace, Joseph is appointed to the most powerful position. He has every authority that Pharaoh has except to sit on the throne. And all along, God is paving the way to work out his purposes to ensure that his people, Israel, do not suffer under this famine. And Joseph through slavery, through being persecuted by his brothers, through imprisonment, dungeons, through being elevated, then cut down again, false accusations by Potiphar's wife. Through all these things, he has not let go of his God. He has not let go of the fact the Lord is with him. And now we have an entire, one of the great nations of the world, Declaring that they are going to submit under the authority of this one man, Joseph, that the Pharaoh has declared has the Spirit of God within him. Now, I want to, I really want you to recognize that God uses you even if your life is messy. I know I've said this before. If you are looking for leaders that don't have stuff going on in their life, well, you're not going to find them. If you are waiting for your life to have not uh, nothing going on in it before you start serving the Lord, well, maybe there's never a time that that will be. You see, if God has called you, if God has appointed you, if God has chosen you, then you can go with great confidence knowing he is with you in whatever he has called you to. And I encourage you in that. I encourage you to go full-heartedly if he has called you. We've just heard about SRE. What happened in your heart when that was speaking? I almost guarantee there's one of you or two of you in this room where you're, you're still trying to make reasons why you shouldn't do it. Or well, let me encourage you. If God has called you, you walk into that space and you will see him bless you because he will be with you no matter how much fear is in that. We're calling for elders. Same thing. If someone is placed on your heart, just go boldly into that space. You see, when we appoint people, we need to listen to God's call. We still need to weigh up their life, absolutely. There are qualifications. There there is a limit to mess. Don't worry. I understand that. But it shouldn't be a barrier for you to listen to God's call and go So the big question of this entire passage however is that in every season of your life are you able to recognise it is the Lord who is giving and taking away and are you able to choose to say Lord blessed be your name in feast famine, in joy suffering in every season of your life. Well, Joseph's a great example, but I will point you to the Lord Jesus. If you think God can't use people when they are suffering, then just look to the Lord Jesus. To the point where he's in Gethsemane, and he's saying, if there is another way, please take this bitter cup from me. And then we have him hanging on the cross, and he says, what? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that's a curious thing for the Messiah, the Son of God, to say. But it's the first line of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Oh, he trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. See, he's quoting a psalm. He is not saying God's forsaken me. He is leading us to a place to go, don't be far from me. I know you are here. I know you are with me even in the greatest of sufferings. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you encourage us to believe and to walk in the space where you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, thank you that in the joys, in the sufferings, in the heartache, in the pain, in the triumphs, in the feasts you are with us. Father thank you that you lead us beside quiet waters but Father thank you that even in the valley of the shadow of death we will fear no evil for you are with us. So Father God bless us now, help us to go from here in whatever season of life we are walking to know that you are the one that is walking beside us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that we can trust in that wholeheartedly. And we pray all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.